you today about joy. Can I hear a woohoo? We're going to talk about joy and how joy is a key to restoration. Joyous. You know, we hear it, you know, we'll be covering some of these passages, the joy of the Lord is our strength and, and so on and so forth, but <clears throat> there's, there's a key there. It's, uh, uh, it, it brings about restoration in our life. And you know, we're in a day today where we're so in tune with our senses. We are. You know, what is everybody wearing? You know, I'm, I'm old school because I still periodically wear a suit to church. And guess what, everybody notices it. And if you don't, I don't care. But we're, we're, we're so in tuned with our senses. You know, we, we see it with so much of what's going on in the church today is you know, everything is to affect our senses because that's what we're tuned into. Rather than being tuned into the Spirit of God. You know, my oldest grandson, as you know, Isaac is uh, now an associate over in Harlan, Iowa. And uh, <clears throat> When he got through with Rama, you know, he was talking about myself and his dad, the pastors in Winterset, and how, you know, we're old school. You know, so I, I, I guess I'm old school. Yeah. I guess when you get old, you're old school. <laughs> but let me tell you something about that old school that I went to. That old school that I went to brought freedom into my life. That old school that I went to brought healing and wholeness in my life. And you know, we may, we may change, but there's something you gotta understand. There's something that doesn't ever change. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. There is no substitute for that. And so whether I'm wearing a suit or whether I'm wearing jeans or whether we have the lights on or we have the lights off or whether the songs that we sing are worshipful or are their, their praise songs, it is the Word of God that's gonna bring about change and victory into our lives. We, we don't ever get what, whatever they call new school. I, I don't know what new school is. I guess it's genes rather than, I don't know. I don't know what new school is. I'm, I'm too old to know what new school is. But whatever new school is, if they stop putting the emphasis upon the Word of God, the church is in trouble. We are in trouble because it's the Word. And so, you see, it's, and this is what I was getting to with that. There's, there's a difference between joy and happiness. Happiness 
is determined by the circumstances in your life. The things that you see around you. Joy is based on what you know. Knowing the Word of God, we're without excuse to have joy in our life because the circumstances are subject to change. Have you noticed that? <laughs> I mean, they can change that, that quick. <clears throat> you know, I have two, two sons and two daughters, and my daughters taught me about circumstances because their emotions could change that quick. Holy moly. They leave for school in the morning and they're just as happy and in love with everybody. Everything is hunky-dory and can't wait to get to school to see their best friends. They get to the school and they have a fight with their best friend and the whole world is falling apart. And so the rest of the night, Becky's in the bedroom with crying daughters. Daughters taught me circumstances, what they'll do in your life. Now, now, now guys are still dealt, they, they still wrestle with circumstances too. It's just that if they have a falling out with somebody, they punch them out and it's all over with. Next day, they're best friends again. You know, for a girl, it takes a month and a half. Circumstances around us. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And that joy is gonna be based not upon circumstances, but what do we know? But so often we're in the place where we don't know. We may have it, we may have a few scriptures memorized, but you know there's all the difference in the world in having a scripture memorized and that scripture being alive to you. That you realize that I can make it through, not because of what I feel right now. I can make it through because I have confidence in my God that he's never gonna fail me, he's never forsake me, he's never going to let me down. Well, let's read a couple of scriptures. And so, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to Proverbs, the sixth chapter. And we're gonna look at the 30th verse. People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he's starving. Yet when he's found, he must restore sevenfold. He may have to give up all of his substance, all of the substance of his house. We look at that, well, Pastor, what's that got to do with joy? It's got everything to do with joy. Because every one of us, we experience and have experienced theft in our life. The thief has come but for to steal, to kill, and destroy. And you know, when we lose something because of the thief, if all we have to look at is the natural, it's gone, it's lost, we'll never have it back. But if we have confidence in what the Word of God says, guess what? Nobody can rob you. Nobody can steal from you. Nobody can make small what you have in your life because we have somebody that we can trust in. 
Now, we look at this and we think of, of the natural, but he's not, he's not looking at the natural. He's looking at the supernatural. We have an enemy that wants to steal things from us. And it's supernatural. It may be a natural thing that's been taken from us, but it's supernatural. And so we need to know what he's made available for us. You know, in the, in the Bible, we have an example of an individual, Nehemiah. And Nehemiah uh, was a servant. Uh, Paul Cole, Dr. Cole's son, just wrote a book about Nehemiah, and it's, the title of it is The Bartender. Not a good title, you would think, for a Christian book. But it's, it's because he was the cupbearer of the king. And, uh, but he, he saw that the walls were broken down in Jerusalem, and so he went to the king. And so <clears throat> this, this was a long process. He rebuilt the wall, but then he was, he was placed in a, a position of authority. But I want you to notice something that it says about Nehemiah. And so I want to turn to Nehemiah, um, the eighth chapter. And I want to begin reading in the ninth verse. And it says, And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the word of the law. In other words, they heard the word of the law and they felt hopeless. You know what the law does in our life? It makes us feel hopeless because we're looking at simply the circumstances around about us. And that's what they were doing in this day. They were looking at the circumstances. And it says in the 10th verse, then he said to them, go your way eat the fat. There's a man after my heart. <laughs> Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. In other words, Quit looking at the circumstances around you. Quit looking at the shortcomings and the failings in your life. This is a day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Don't try to base your joy on yesterday. Today. The scripture says, today is your day of salvation. You screwed up yesterday? Today is your day of salvation. The circumstances around you haven't been what you had hoped them to be? Today is your day of salvation. Rejoice and be glad. Then it goes on in the 11th verse and it says, so the Levites quieted all the people saying, be still. For the day is holy, do not be grieved. 
And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and rejoiced and rejoiced greatly because they understood the words that were declared to them. Why is it that we can't rejoice? Because we don't understand the words that have been declared to us. Because oftentimes we spend more time focusing on the circumstances, the situations around us, and we don't look to what God has to say about it. You know what? The victory that we experience in our life isn't dependent upon the circumstances around about us. Our victory is dependent upon the Word of God and the victory that truly belongs to us through Him. When, when situations arise and we feel weak, joy strengthens us. You ever been at that place where you just, I just don't know if I can make it. I just feel so weak, I feel so powerless, I feel overcome. Well, you know what? That's when the joy of the Lord gives you strength. When the bank account looks empty and you don't know how you're gonna make it and you can't figure it out in your own ability, that's when the joy of the Lord can give you strength because he's promised to never leave you nor forsake you. Well, pastor, I've been believing. Well, don't quit. Don't quit. You know, most people that are successful in life, they're successful for one, by, because of one very important principle. They didn't quit. When everything around them looked impossible, they continued on. They didn't quit. Jerry Seville always said this about the Lord. He says, you know, there's one thing I know about the Lord. He's never late, but seldom early. And we look at it and we look like it's, it's, it's too late. If you're still sucking air, it's not too late. Amen. I mean that with all seriousness. If you're still breathing, it's not too late. If you're still breathing, there's still hope. If you're still breathing, God is still on the move in your life. And he wants to bring you to that place of victory. Joel said this in Joel 2. I'm gonna read it out of my notes because I paraphrased it. It's Joel 2, 21 through 26. But here's a paraphrase of that. Fear not, but be glad and rejoice because God will do good things. He will send the former and the latter rains at the same time. Praise the Lord. We had a little bit of rain earlier and we're going to have a little bit of rain more. Amen. Amen. Former and the latter rains. And I know he's speaking here spiritually, but we need a little bit of that physical rain. And God is faithful. You may be thinking it's too late. No, it's not. It's not. So, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we thank you that you give us rains 
in due season. Well, in our thinking, it's due season. And so, Father, we call forth the rains in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We thank you for the, the rain that we had this morning. But, Father, we need more, and we, we ask you for it. And we thank you for it, and we give you praise for it. And we're not going to be moved by what the, the weatherman says. We're not going to be moved by the circumstances. We speak to the systems that have held back the rain, and we call them to move out in Jesus' name, that the rains will come forth and water our fields and our crops. And we're going to have a bountiful harvest. Even the, the reports may say no, we say yes in Jesus' name. And so it says, he will send the former and the latter rains at the same time to restore all the years that were taken. You ever feel like you've lost time? That there have been wasted years? He says it's going to be restored, and the way that it's going to be restored is as we put our trust in him. It's not going to be restored as we look at those years and we feel sorry for ourselves and we think, oh, I was, I was so abused, I was so neglected, I was so foolish. That isn't going to save it, change anything. But when we say, Father, I thank you for today. I thank you that today is a new beginning for me. Today is the first day of the rest of my life. And from this day forward, I expect good things. I expect victory, I expect wholeness. I expect to be prosperous. Not because I'm so good, but because you're so good. And because of the promises that you've given me in your word. People eat and be satisfied with plenty and praise the Lord. My people will never be ashamed. Amen. Never be ashamed. You don't have to look back on your life and be ashamed of it. That's your past. It's your future that counts. Today is the first day of your future. And I'm not going to be ashamed. I'm not going to look back and dwell upon my failings, my shortcomings. I'm going to look forward and dwell on the success that belongs to me through my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because he's paved the way. I'm not going to depend upon circumstances. I'm not going to depend upon happy feelings. When I don't feel happy, I'm going to express the joy of the Lord because that's my strength. When I express that, and guess what? I'm going to get happy. I'm going to get happy in a hurry because I'm going to know what he's provided for me. In Psalm 51, don't you love Psalm 51? But in verse 12, it says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and, it, and uphold me by your generous spirit. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. You think it of it being your salvation, but it was his salvation 
that was released in you. And when that salvation was released in your life, did you experience joy? You experienced joy, but the circumstances hadn't changed. You were still the same miserable, rotten person you'd always been. <laughs> Praise the Lord. The natural hadn't changed. The only thing that had changed about you was the spiritual. You were born again. But his joy came into your life. When his joy came into your life, for at least a period of time, things looked differently around you. But what happened? You got your eyes off of him. And you put your eyes back on the circumstances in your life. What happened over a period of time, you began to lose your joy. But it wasn't that the joy wasn't there because it was his joy through your salvation. It was still there, but you stopped looking at the salvation and you started looking at the circumstances around about you. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Do you know what? God's not withholding any good thing from you. He's not withholding. Is, is, is healing good? He's not withholding it from you. Is prosperity good? Yes. He's not withholding it from you. Is deliverance good? Yes. He's not withholding it from you. And in fact, he's generous where it comes to those things. And so we need to be willing to hear and receive what he's, he's made available to us. He wants to turn around our life. He wants to restore to us the joy of our salvation. No Christian at any time should be void of joy. Now that doesn't mean we're always happy. There's things in our life that are terrible. Remember the words of Dr. Cole, he always said, and you've heard it 150 times, life consists of entering and leaving crisis. And what determines whether your life is successful or not is not whether or not you enter and leave crisis because you will. But how do you enter and leave crisis? Here's a thought for you. In the midst of crisis, in the midst of what the world would define as a tragedy, you can have joy in your life. I'm not talking about feeling happy. I'm talking about having joy in your life. And how do we have joy in our life? Because we know the promise. We know what his word says concerning us. And we know that no matter what the circumstance is, he's going to bring us through it victoriously. You know, there's, there's things that happen in our life that, you know, we, we try to blame on God, but in reality, 
God had absolutely nothing to do with it. It's death and destruction. But you know, in the midst of even that, we can turn our eyes upon him and know that he will never fail us. He will never let us down. He'll never turn against us. He's our victorious Lord. In Habakkuk, as you can tell, I'm having a little bit of trouble finding it. The third chapter. Putting you all through a test today to see if you can find all those passages, those books we don't ever turn to. In Habakkuk, the third chapter, the 17th verse, it says, For the violence done to Lebanon will cover you, and the plunder, I didn't think that sounded very uplifting. <laughs> Let's go to the third chapter, the 17th verse. Though the fig tree may not, but, but in the midst of that you can have joy. When, when Lebanon comes against you, you can still have, you can have joy. Even if you get sent to Lebanon, you can still have joy. May not be real happy, but you can have joy. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vine, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flocks may cut off uh, from the fold, and there be no herd in the stall, yet, Yet. In other words, that wasn't real positive happening either. But yet. You know, when I, I first got a hold of the Word of Faith message, I thought that it meant I'd never have any problems again. Boy, was I mistaken because it seems like when I got a hold of it, all hell broke loose. But I thought to walk in faith meant that we would, we would never ever have any problems again. But I realized something about faith. Faith gives us the tools to deal with any problem that we encounter in life. That's what faith will do for you. Because what faith is, is our part to reach out and take a hold of the grace of God, which is the provision for everything that we'll ever need in life. We find it in Christ Jesus. And what faith does in the midst of the most horrendous crisis we can ever go through, we can reach out by faith and receive the provision that's available to us through Christ Jesus. Yet in the midst of all this, yet I will rejoice in the Lord and I will joy in the God of my salvation. Now, that seems like it would be pretty narrow. I, 
I'll rejoice in the God of my salvation. I rejoice that I'm saved. But you gotta look at what salvation is. Salvation is all inclusive. And the reason that we can rejoice in the God of our salvation, in, in our salvation, is that it includes, yes, we're gonna go to heaven, but it's prosperity, it's healing, it's deliverance. It's, it's, it's deliverance for every circumstance in our life. Salvation is all inclusive. It includes our, our, our spirit, our soul, our body. It includes social, economical. Every area of our life is, is summed up in that word salvation. And so when he says we can joy in our salvation, it means no matter what it is that we're dealing with, we can have joy in the midst of it because we know who our Savior is. Because once again, it's not about me, it's not about you, it's about Jesus. And it's about what he has done for each and every one of us. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make my way on my high hills. On my high hills, it's talking about a mountain. It's not saying that I gotta walk in high hills. <laughs> Although I'd need his strength to be able to do that. That's the God that we serve. And he's never going to forsake us, he's never going to let us down. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord is my strength. It shows, it illustrates the relationship between joy and strength. When we have joy, we have strength. When we lose our joy, we're without strength. We're defeated. We're susceptible to every attempt, attack, that the enemy would bring against us. In Jeremiah 33, it's verses nine through 11, but I wanna read a paraphrase of that, and it says, the city will be a name of joy praise and honor before the entire earth. Everyone will hear about the good I do to them, and they will fear and tremble for all the prosperity I bring them. The voice of joy and gladness will be heard in the distant places. God is good and merciful to those who bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of God. You know what the world sees? When they see a people that have joy, that rejoice in the midst of trial, the midst of test, we all think, well, they all think we're nuts. Well, they think that too. But what they're looking at is how can somebody have joy in the midst of that difficult situation? 
But you know what? The church, oftentimes, when the world's complaining, we just enter in and complain. When the world sees defeat, we just enter in and voice defeat. Rather than being peculiar, we're the same. The Bible says that we are a peculiar people. That means we're different. If we're the same, we're not different. If we say the same things that the world says, we're not different, we're the same. And so we're gonna experience the same emotions, the same feelings, the same defeat that they feel when we focus on those things. Are there horrible things that take place in the earth, in the world, just like the other day? Yes. But what are we gonna focus on? Is that what is going to be our focus and is that what's going to be our confession? Or are, or are we gonna believe what the Bible says, that we can have what we can say? What do we say? We say what the, words, the Word says about us. We believe it and we stand on it. You know, the Bible says the sacrifice of praise. You know, sometimes praise is a sacrifice. We come to church. Things didn't go so well on the way to church. In fact, things didn't go so well all week. And now you ask me to praise God? Yes. Make the sacrifice. What's the sacrifice? Putting down your feelings putting down your emotions. Stop looking at what you've been looking at and start looking at something that'll bring victory and wholeness into your life. Begin to focus on what Jesus has already accomplished for you. In James, first chapter, Second verse, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith works patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I mean, I don't know about you, I like the last part of verse four. Perfect and complete, lacking nothing. But you know, to get there, we have to go through those prior verses. My brethren, count it all joy. Count it all joy. Count it all joy when we're not comfortable. Count it all joy when things aren't going the way that we had planned for it to go. Because your joy isn't, oh, I'm just so joyful that I lost my job. No, maybe you are, I don't, I don't know. But that, <clears throat> that's, 
that's really not what it was talking about. It says in the midst of it, you count it joy because if you lost that job, God's got something better for you. If you've been faithful in your employment, I just got to add that to put a little negative connotation on it. But see, no matter what the circumstances are, we can count it joy. Why? Because we know that we can trust our God and he's never going to fail us or forsake us. He's never going to let us down. Count it all joy. Why? Because we know that deliverance is there. We know that God's going to supply our every need. We know that God is not going to let us down. Now, this is where faith comes in. Faith is an important component in being able to operate in joy, to experience joy. Now, if we don't have any, any faith, we're, we're not going to have lasting joy. Because the only way that we're not going to be moved by what we see, by what we feel, is if we know something above and beyond that. And what we know is what the Word of God says. The Word of God is a sure thing. Sure thing. We can trust it in every situation. Look at uh, Luke, the 17th chapter. Jesus has been speaking to his disciples and he says, you know, when, when somebody wrongs you, forgive them. And he says, even if they wrong you seven times a day, forgive them. The disciples' response is, Lord, give us more faith. You know why? Because it's a hard thing to do. Because in your senses, in your reasoning, why would I forgive them? They wronged me. They did me wrong. They hurt me. Jesus said, forgive them. Let's look at this. Verse, chapter 17 in Luke, verse 3. And it says, take heed to yourself. Hmm. Boy, we could pe preach a series on that one, couldn't we? Take heed to yourself. And what do we want to do? We want to take heed to everybody else. Don't show me down just because I'm preaching good right now. What do we want to do? We want to look at everybody else. But what he, what's he saying? He says, we need to take a good look at ourselves. Take heed to yourself. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. And the apostles said, and the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. They knew how difficult it was going to be. Let me tell you something. You know why we have such a difficult time oftentimes doing things? We're trying to do it in our strength. Amen. We're trying to do it in our own ability. 
Rather than looking at and, and, and say, Lord, I can't do this, but I know that I can do all things through you as you strengthen me. And so we don't look for his strength. We look at all the things around us. And so the Lord said, isn't it interesting? This is where he goes into the, into the mustard seed and so forth. And we, we like to talk about it uh, amongst everything else, but he's, he's talking here in context about forgiving. And the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you'll say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. And which of you having a servant plowing and tending sheep will say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and sit down to eat? But will you not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk, and afterwards you will eat and drink? Does he thank the servant? because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, say, he, we, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was only our duty to do. So what's he talking about here? Why are we able to forgive? Because it's merely our duty. It's merely our responsibility. And why is it our responsibility? Why is it our duty? Because he forgave us. And he forgave us so much. How can, that, how can we not forgive the little things that people do to us? The other thing that he's saying here, he's saying that faith will work for us. As long as we put it to work. Our greatest problem with faith oftentimes is that it sits dormant because we don't put it to work. Say to this servant, go and do this. Say to this servant, go and do that. Why are we able to do that? Because faith is a servant and we have the responsibility and the right to put it to work. If we don't, it's not going to work. It's not going to accomplish what needs to be done. And oftentimes, we use faith in a, in a selfish way. Really, you know, our faith is given to us to work on behalf of others. But once again, the majority of the faith teaching that we hear, we've heard over the years, and we needed that. Because it's like any time you learn a principle, you've got to go from one extreme to the other. And generally what happens is you end up someplace in the middle. Brother Hagen always said, stay out of the ditches, stay in the middle of the road. And you see, that's where faith needs to be. Faith works for us. But the primary purpose of faith is so that we can be a blessing and we can help others. Faith will bless you. Faith will prosper you. But the primary purpose of your prosperity is so that you can be a blessing and help others. It's an interesting thing. You can't be a blessing until you're blessed. 
You can't give what you don't have. If you do, you're a thief. And God's not called any of us to be thieves. He's called us to use what he's given us and then use it for his glory. You know, Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Do we hear the word? I'm not talking about just hearing it with these ears. I'm talking about, do we, do we hear the word of God? When we truly hear the word of God, that means we put it in practice in our life. James says, faith without works, faith without corresponding action is dead. Faith works. But you know what? If we don't know what's been made available to us, we can't put it in practice in our lives. If we've not heard the Word of God, we'll never put the Word of God in practice in our life. Faith has nothing to act upon. That's why the Word is so important. And it's not just, you know, and I know you've heard this, but faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. It's in the continuous present tense. Faith doesn't come by having heard. Faith comes by hearing. So that's why it's so important that we, we continually hear the Word of God. Because as we do, faith grows in our life. 1 Peter 2.23 says, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the Word of God, which is living and abides forever. There's something eternal about the Word of God. That means it doesn't ever change. That means even though I may be old school, that word that I heard 40 years ago that changed my life, that word does not change. The only thing that changes concerning the Word of God is that we get a fresh, new, greater revelation of how that Word can be applied in our lives. The Word is so important. In Matthew, the 14th chapter, you're all familiar with this story. This is the account of Peter when he walked on the water. Once again, it's, a, it's another example of how even within the church, our glass is half empty, it's not half full. Well, I just look at the negative side. <clears throat> I have never seen a picture painted of Peter where he's not sinking. Let me tell you something about Peter. Peter walked on the water. The closest I ever came to that was not letting go of the rope when I was skiing. And I went from walking on the water to picking up seaweed off the bottom. 
Let me tell you something. Peter walked on water. And it was in the middle of the sea. That means they couldn't show him where the rocks were. He walked on water. So Matthew 14, verse 27. And immediately, and of course, you know, we're not gonna read that part, but they thought they saw a ghost. They thought they saw a phantom. And the old fishermen believed that when they were about to perish in a storm, they would see the phantom coming for them. And so when they saw Jesus coming towards them, walking on the water, they thought it was the phantom. They thought they were about to die in the storm. And it says that when Jesus heard their cry of fear, immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of, be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. You know how you can be of good cheer? You know how you can be joyous in the midst of a crisis? Knowing that Jesus is there. We have a promise that even the disciples didn't have. They only experienced the presence of Jesus when Jesus was physically there. We have the presence of Jesus as born again believers. We have the presence of Jesus every moment of every day, no matter what the circumstances are in our life, we can fear not. Why? Because Jesus is there. And Peter answered and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water if it is you, the condition. And he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. He's walking on the water. I don't know if it was one step, I don't know if it was two steps, I don't know if it was several steps. All I know is Peter was walking on the water. But when he saw the wind, when you begin to see the circumstances in your life. Now I don't know about you, unless I'm out in the middle of the field where it's full of dirt, I may feel the wind, but I don't see the wind. Peter saw the wind. Oftentimes, we see the circumstances in our life and we don't see them accurately. Because what we see is based on what we feel. And like I said earlier, your feelings can be real fickle. But he saw the wind was boisterous and was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately, thank God, you don't have to tarry. You don't have to wait till Sunday morning. You don't have to hunt down the preacher. 
immediately. Peter cried out to Jesus, and Jesus stuck out his hand and he saved him. Doesn't matter where you're at, doesn't matter how impossible it may seem to be, Jesus is there to save you. Your salvation, yes, it was a one-time event where you were born again, but your salvation isn't a one-time event from the standpoint it's continuous in your life and Jesus is still there to save you. And not just your soul, he's there to save your body when it looks impossible. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand, caught him, and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those who were in the boat came and worshiped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Truly. You want people around you to be convinced that Jesus is the Son of God? You walk in that joy. You allow him to be your deliverer. In the midst of difficulty and tragedy and everything else that will come against you and comes against you, when you rise above it victoriously, guess what? Those around you see it. And oftentimes they won't say anything, but they'll be thinking, what is this about this Jesus? Is he truly the Son of God? And eventually, they'll be convinced. You know, uh, we are living testimonies. Our lives are a living demonstration of what Jesus can do in a frail human being when we will allow him to. In 1 Thessalonians 5.16, it says, Rejoice always. And once again, that, that, sounds, like a, that sounds like an impossibility. That's, that's one of those Oh Lord, increase my faith. Yeah. How does he do that? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God as his word becomes alive to us, his word becomes real to us. We can rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In everything, give thanks. You know, I'm, <clears throat> when we were first saved, there were books that came out that you need to give God praise and thanksgiving in everything. And the voice behind it was, 
When tragedy comes your way, thank God for it. No, no, no. We don't thank God for everything, but we can thank God in the midst of everything because we know who our deliverer is. Tragedy occurs in your life. I'm not telling you to thank God for it. You know, God's telling me all the time when we go into the prison, thank God I got sent to prison, saved my life. So glad God sent me to prison. Let me give you a clue. God did not send anybody to prison. He's a deliverer. Now that which the enemy intended for evil, God turned it about for good. And you found, and if they found Jesus in prison, thank God for it. Heard a little testimony from Gary that they went down to see Rick Renner yesterday and last night and, and uh, one of the people that they were sitting next to uh, when they shared where they were from, um, she had gotten born again in one of the services that I, I, I did at Mitchellville when we went to the prison there. And so, thank God she got saved in prison. Let me tell you something. God didn't send her to prison. That wasn't his will for her. The tragedy that you encounter in life is not God's will for you. But in the midst of it, God can bring deliverance. He can bring hope. He can bring victory. And we can rejoice even when they're in the middle of it. Because he's our deliverer. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Always rejoicing in the Lord. Philippians 4, 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. How can we rejoice always in the Lord? Because we know he's our deliverer. We know that he's our hope. We know that he's the way. We know that he will never fail us. We serve a victorious God. We have to be confident of that. We have to be sure of that. And the way that we become confident and sure of that, we should Wish I could tell you there were some shortcuts, but there aren't. It's the Word of God. So we get the Word of God deep down on the inside of us. Well, Pastor, I'm not a good reader. I just, I just pray in the Holy Ghost six hours a day. Well, thank God you pray in the Holy Ghost six hours a day. The Bible says it'll build you up in your most holy faith. So for it to build you up, there's got to be something there to build up. And that comes through the Word of God. There is no shortcut. The Word of God needs to be priority one in every one of our lives. And I say it not because I'm a preacher. 
I say it because I'm a believer. And as a believer, I must have the Word of God alive in my life every moment of every day because of what we encounter. God's Word is truth. Father, we thank you for your Word that it is alive and that you've imparted your truth to us. And Father, we pray that as we read your word, that through the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit, you will enlighten us, that we will see truth, how it applies in our lives as we've never seen it before. And as we do, Father, we'll give you the glory. We'll rejoice in you always, for we know our victory rests in you, and we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to continue our worship this morning by receiving Holy Communion. So if I can have the elders and ushers come forward and, and begin to pass out um, the elements. Um, if you're visiting with us this morning, just want to extend an invitation to you uh, to receive communion with us. Um, I believe that communion is a, is a family affair. And if you've received Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're part of our family. And so we extend to you an invitation to receive with us. Um, they're passing out the elements now, and you can either receive them immediately when you get them, or if you wish to do so, um, we can, we'll receive them all uh, at the end together. But you know, Jesus, it tells us that on the night in which he was betrayed, he was gathered with his disciples. And uh, after they had finished supper, they were sitting together and he, he took the bread and it says that he broke the bread. And he said, he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Receive it in remembrance of me. And so communion is a, is a time of remembrance. It's a time that we're reminded of how Jesus' body was broken. It was beaten. It was whipped beyond recognition. And the Bible says that he took those stripes for you and I that his body was broken so that your body and my body, that we might be whole. And so when we receive communion, we're reminded of the completed works of Jesus. And so I believe that communion then is a, is a touching point, if you will. It's a point of remembrance. It's a it's a way for us to release our faith and say, Jesus, I thank you that your body was broken so that my body could be whole. So if you need healing in your body right now, I would encourage you to 
to just begin to declare, Jesus, I thank you that by your stripes, I have been healed. And so as I receive this bread, I receive life. I receive healing to flow through my body from the very top of my head to the very soles of my feet. This bread represents the body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As you receive it, receive it in remembrance of Him, the body of Christ. But there were two elements that night. There was the bread that represented the, the body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. But then there was also the wine, the juice, that represented his blood. As we all know, the, the Bible declares that where there is no shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And Jesus' blood was shed for your sins and my sins that they might be completely washed away. Christianity is a blood-based religion. And I don't like to use the word religion because religion is man's attempt to get right with God. Christianity is God making it right with man. But his blood was shed so that you and I would be able to once again have intimacy, that we'd be able to have fellowship with him. As we know that when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, there's a separation that took place. There's a separation between God and man, and man was not able to fellowship with and, and have intimacy with God. But Jesus restored all that. Through his death, burial, and resurrection, through his shedding of his blood, our sins are not just covered over, our sins are literally washed away. As far as the east is from the west, never to encounter one another again. So the blood of Jesus was shed for you and I. So as you receive this juice that represents the blood of Jesus, be reminded that Jesus not only washed away your sins, but he took away all the guilt. He took away all the shame. We never have to dwell upon our failings and shortcomings again because of what Jesus has done for us. It's not what we've done what he did. The blood of Christ, which was shed for you, receive it in remembrance of him, the blood of Jesus. Now, Father, we thank you for your loving kindness. We thank you for sending Jesus on our behalf. We thank you for the victorious life that belongs to us. And Father, as we leave this place, May we be effective ambassadors for your kingdom. And may those that we come in contact with 
recognize that there truly is something peculiar about us, that we're different from the world because we have joy, we have peace when others are in fear. Use us as your witnesses. Further your kingdom with each one of us, Father. Be glorified through our lives. We pray it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So as you go, go in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Ghost. Walk in victory in the glorious name of Jesus. Amen. And give somebody a hug. Let them know you love them. Have a blessed week.